Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, I'm Ray Revere. How y'all doing? <laughs> and um, uh, I, uh, what is a guy from, uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, you could pray for me, and uh, Brooklyn, New York, that is. And uh, what is a guy from Brooklyn doing here um, uh, in the middle of Johnson City? That's kind of a crazy story, and, uh, but my story is not today. Today, you're going to get here from a, an incredible couple, but how did I get here? And uh, it's kind of like some wisdom and, and things that I've heard in, in just some discernment. You ever hear about those three guys on the airplane? There's, a, there's, a, there's actually a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, and a little boy. And, and, and they're on the airplane. They see the pilot. Something's, they hear something weird. Pilot jumps out of the airplane. I'm a helicopter pilot, airplane pilot. He jumps out of the airplane. And he and, and says, there's three shoots. I'm out. Right? They look at each other. Doctor goes, look, I've saved thousands of lives. I'm probably the most important on the airplane. I need a parachute. He's out. The lawyer goes, I'm the most intelligent man on the earth. I need a parachute, and I'm out. So the pastor, very similar to Matt, would go. He goes to the little boy, says, look, I've lived a very good life. God has blessed me tremendously. You're a little boy. You take the parachute and go. He says, pastor, don't you worry. The most intelligent man in the the airplane, he took my lunch bag. (laughs) The the innocence of a child. I I was a a guy who grew up in New York, um, uh, became a military instructor pilot, left there, married an incredible girl from Southwest Virginia. How does a guy from New York meet a girl from Southwest Virginia? It's like a country song gone bad. And I went to, I went, I became a news helicopter pilot and I covered 9-11. So saw everything, second plane hit, both buildings go down. Um, uh, my life was altered as yours is gonna be today. Um, uh, through that twist of fate, met a mentor who changed my life. And I said to him, I said, look, I said, I grew up without a father. Uh, uh, if there's any possible way that I could mentor others the way you've mentored me, I'd like to do that. And uh, I began the process of mentoring men and women under 30, 18 to 30, and it changed their lives, but the, the power that was within me is what connected with him. It wasn't me. But <laughs> I fell in love with the South. Everything, sweet tea, grits, bless your heart. I fell in love with all of it, all right? I knew I was supposed to come back here. And I always felt that if there was any way possible, if God within me could, in any way, that I can come back here and I could actually touch lives the way that I did in New York, thousands of lives, not because of me, but because of through me, found Jesus. Amen. And I came here. Began a process, uh, gave back to the community based on my skill set, 
uh, uh, EMS helicopter pilot, did several different things. But through a couple that I met in Johnson City, um, a beautiful couple, amazing, I met Cody and Nicole. And, you know, y'all who know Cody <laughs> is all over the place, all right? And, and he was semi-subdued that day, but not a whole bunch, all right? But there was something in him, in his eyes, in his mannerisms that was hungry. You have y'all, you have y'all hungry? But it wasn't for the food or the drink. There was something else inside. I didn't know. I'm just part of the process of mentoring people to be successful and business and in, in their lives, in their marriages with their children. And, um, and there was something inside of him that was wanting. You know, today I'm going to introduce a couple that is phenomenal, really. Um, many of y'all have no idea of the struggle that they came from, where they came from. But, you know, two songs ago, as it's Tyler, your music minister. Mm -hmm. As Tyler was singing, he said, the battle on my knees. You know, you see Cody and his, in his mannerism, he literally stands above multiple people. All right. It's like an angel walking in. You can see him from miles, you know, and, uh, but what you don't know, what you don't know that you'll hear today, I hope she shares it, is the battle on her knees and on her face for her husband. That's the battle. The quiet, you have no idea, Nicole. That's the battle. The best way to sum it up is before I bring them up here today is their beautiful daughter who's now grown. I've seen the last time I saw her, she was real little. And now she's, look at how beautiful. She said, you know what? I got my daddy back. So without any further ado, bring up Cody and Nicole Honeycutt. So what I want to do, Cody, uh, tell us, because I know a little bit about this, but still not a lot of details about this. Tell us a little bit about your background, your upbringing. I think to some people that are here today, some of these things may feel familiar. There will be some themes that they can relate to. So school, family life, eventually meeting and marrying Nicole. Just uh, give us a little bit of an idea of, of kind of what that looked like. Yeah. So um, first off, I want to thank everybody for being here, for choosing to be here. You know, um, there's multiple other things you could have done today. She chose to be here, and I want you to know the ones who I've connected with outside of this church absolutely means the world to me that she showed up today. And Ray, thank you for introducing us. You, you changed our lives, and uh, thank you, Matt, for this opportunity. Um, thank you for allowing us to come up and just remove the robe and allow Christ to just shine. So um, I've got my notepad here. I'm ADHD, so I'm going to stay on track. Matt's going to help. My wife helps with that. That's her strength. But, um, you know, when I was young, um, I remember, I don't remember much, but I remember my, my mom and dad divorced. And in that moment, you know, my, my mom threw me in the car, my brother and I. And, you know, that was the that was probably the most memorable moment of my life at that age. Um, so they got divorced. My father was an alcoholic. Um, then later in life, around six or seven year old, my stepfather stepped into the picture and 
I was excited. Um, you know, I finally getting a father figure. This was a, uh, you know, it was a moment in my life that, you know, I had that desire for someone to, to lift me up for once. You know, my mom was trying to raise my brother and I and uh, working a full-time job. So, um, you know, it was difficult for her. And so, you know, my father stepped, my stepfather stepped into our lives. They got married. And it wasn't long after that that he became verbally abusive. Um, we were emotionally abused. Um, and during that same time, I would often go stay at my grandmother's. And she had a nephew who would come stay often, and he was much older than me, and he took advantage of me. I was emotionally vulnerable, and also during that same time period, I was introduced to pornography um, that completely impacted my life. I thought that image, I, I just can't get the images out of my head. I thought that's what women supposed to be. And um, now eventually, I've, you know, I've got all this baggage now. Um, my father started, my stepfather, he started, um, you know, things started escalating in our home. Um, he started becoming more abusive, um, verbally abusive. Um, you know, I remember we get beatings that, um, and I just, I just couldn't shake it. Um, I couldn't believe what was happening. Their marriage was a wreck. We we was a wreck. Um, at the age of nine, I found marijuana. And finally, I, I found something that could kind of walk me through and ease the pain that I was going through. Um, that was my coping mechanism. So I started doing marijuana, and um, eventually I was drinking alcohol, um, just whatever basically I could get my hands on at that time. That's what was available. And um, so fast forward now, I think Nicole was 17. I was 18. And I got a job at KFC. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time I seen Nicole. Um, man, she was just like shining. It was, uh, I, I knew. Because I was making macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> I love macaroni, but um, <laughs> but I, I there was a there was a little fire there that I just knew that in that moment, man, I'm 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 gonna chase her. I've never chased a, a woman like I had her, and I just seen. I knew I couldn't live without this lady right here beside me. It was um, it was just a connection. I can't quite explain it, but I fell head over heels for her. And that's where, you know, that's where I was, my um, childhood to marriage. Okay, so at what point, the next question is really where did things go south? And I think you could tell by a lot of the, the childhood trauma. And I know in different ways there are people in here that can relate to some of those things, not other things. And then some people's stories probably go, go deeper. But was there a point of stability whenever you guys got married or did it really feel like from the beginning things started going south? Because I know you've talked to me about working for the railroads and, you know, a lot of uh, there's, there's kind of a gap for me about that 
early part, because I know things started to get bad. Was there like a point where things were good for a little while and then they really started going south or did a lot of the, you know, the father wounds and the, and the issues from your childhood that, and, and let's just be honest guys, like abuse or, or being introduced to certain things when your mind is not ready uh, for it yet, those kinds of things have an impact. Uh, a lot of times when people struggle with addiction or relationships or whatever it might look like, these are the kind of things that we talk about, but at what point would you say things in your life really started to go in a very bad direction? And and if there is anything Nicole wants to share with that, she can. But at, at what direction regarding, you know, what you would call not just addiction, but maybe really, really bad decisions and things like that? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, I had a job at the railroad um, when we got married. Like, honestly, things were looking up finally. But you know, I was taught to push things under the rug, you know, act like nothing ever happened, you know, hush, hush. Um, we don't talk about those things. And um, so, yeah, boom, um, lost my place there. So I had to jump at the railroad. Everything was looking good. Um, and at the age 27, well, I'm, let, let me back up. So at the railroad, you know, I, I was on the road all the time. Okay. Um there wasn't a father figure in our home. Not that I was even being that father that I should have been. There wasn't a father in the home. Um, so I was on the road all the time. I couldn't be a husband. Um, I couldn't be a father. And I was basically, I was living a second life. And, you know, I'd get to drinking on the other end of the road. Um, and at the age 27, I was introduced to ice. Or around here, oftentimes they'll call it meth or methamphetamines. And, you know, this is kind of where things started twisting in my life. Um, and I found that instant gratification, that instant pleasure is the devil's lie. And that's in anything in life. Um, so, I, you know, I was using uh, meth. Now, I wasn't addicted yet. But when I've done that, that was, uh, I've never felt, I ain't going to lie, I've never felt that freedom that that meth gave me. Um, it was like, man, I felt like Superman. I ain't going to lie. And I felt like I could just run through a wall. But that was like, that was the greatest feeling that I'd ever felt up to that point. Um, so at the age of 28, um, I would probably try anything. Um, and this led to me, I, I was using meth. I was heroin. Um, Roxy's, uh, Lord Tabs, alcohol and weed, um, and the unseen things that I never done. Nicole never done. I mean, I was she hit her knees, and God just started working in working in the prayer, working in her life. She was that example for me, and we got introduced to Ray and Tamara Rivera, and it. You know, for the first time in my life, and I've been to church most of my life, but for the first time in my life, somebody walked in and sat down at the table with me and shined light like I'd never seen. I'm so thankful for that, Ray. Accepted me right where I was and took us in right there at that table, loved on us, and um, gave us a book. He, he's, he talks about the, the process. He has a process, and he gave us a book to read. And now God's like, he's working on me. I didn't know it um, until now I can look back and see that, but he started working on me. And um, 
started building a flame in me. And I was like, I don't know what, what it is that Ray has, but I want that. That's exactly what I want. I, Ray was up my... here for 10 seconds and I want that. So I understand. <laughs> yeah. So you sell that Ray. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So, you know, we went home, I read the book, you know, um, that was a part of, you know, f- for me showing that I can be accountable, that my wife can be accountable, that he ain't wasting his time with us, you know? And so we read the book connected with him. Well, later on, you know, um, couple meetings later, I found out he went to church and he never, you know, I don't, I, I don't, he, I have no, I can't explain it, but, um, I found out he went to church. So I was like, everything that's led up to this was truth. And I found that things are starting to move. Like I'd never had it move before or life. Like I had hope for this moment. I was like, man, I, I really got to take hold of this. So I told him to go, I was like, let's try it one more time. And so we went to church, our neighbors, uh, Rick and Dot Adam, they're like, they're like mom and papa. Um, they're phenomenal people, but they, they invited us to church. We went to, to church at, we actually got some Zion Baptist family sitting back here. What's up? <laughs> but we went to church and, um, I don't even remember the message, but I remember I felt the conviction fall over me and I couldn't shake it. I could not shake it. I'd never felt that way. I've never had anything like speak to me. It's like he just reached in and mushed my heart. And they had an altar call, and I, I was um, I was too ashamed to step out. Or I'd have done it then, you know, where I am now. I'd, I'd have ran to that altar. But at that moment, I was completely broken, and I just couldn't shake it. And I didn't want to step out and show my shame. Um, so I went home that night. And this, this, this is the best part. <laughs> so, so I went home that night. And I, I laid in bed. And I watched my wife laying there. And I just bawled my eyes out. Um, I couldn't believe everything I had done. Because of me, my family was falling apart. I'm supposed to lead the home. I'm supposed to be the man that steps up and leads my family. And I was sitting there just watching it all crumble. But at the same time, I had I had this little grasp of hope because I had a family step into my life. And I'll never I couldn't go to sleep. Like that's how shaken I was. I could not go to sleep. I looked up at the clock because I was laying there watching my wife sleep. And I looked up at the clock. It was three o'clock in the morning. And I got up out of the bed and I fell at the foot of my bed. And I told God, if you take this away from me, you take this pain away, I will follow you for the rest of my life. I promise I will follow you for the rest of my life. And it was like, it was like heaven rained down on me in that moment. Oftentimes, you'll hear people say it's a spiritual awakening. That's exactly what happened. Man, I come up out of the floor like, I was like, that's what everybody's been talking about. You know, that's, that's it. Like, I got it. And I wanted to scream, but my wife was asleep. I didn't want to wake her. <laughs> um, so I ran out the door. 
Um, I looked, Kaylee's door was shut. I was like, okay. So I went to the kitchen, man. I was in there like dancing and I was like, man, finally, you, I, you know, the Lord has lifted all this pain and this burden away and just completely life transformation right there in that moment. And that's where things really started to turn, Matt. And, and, and see, I think like the important thing about this is there, there are a couple things that you notice. Nicole said when she started praying, whatever it takes. Like that's, so, so she took all her stuff, all her stuff, and, and put it to the side and say, if, if you'll do this, I, you have all of me. And then a little bit down the road, Cody laying in bed, whatever it takes, you have all my stuff. I'm going to make the argument that that is the only reason they're still married. With everything that has happened in their life, there is, there is no reason between adultery, addiction, a troubled past, all of these things in their lives, that that is the reason that they are still together, this mutual submission to Jesus. And it's a story for every couple that goes through these kinds of things because there's, I don't, I don't believe there's another way. I, I mean, and there's wonderful therapy and there are great books and there's some wonderful practices and all these things. But you both gave yourselves entirely to Jesus. And you never thought that you'd be sitting here in this place right now talking about this. So the way that Cody explained this to me at the coffee company in uh, Elizabeth, and there's a plug, Frankie, right there for you. (laughs) But the the coffee company in Elizabeth, and we we were talking one day, and we were both bawling. And he starts talking about this, and you, you said this in your, in your story. You said, my eyes at 3 o'clock in the morning were wide open, and he couldn't go back to sleep. And that was the exact, exact experience that I had um, as, as, as a, when I was a little bit older after being saved as a young person, but a lot of the, de- the, the poor decisions that I was making. Yeah. And what scares me is that there are so many people that have never had, I'm not talking about addicts, I'm talking about people that have never had that eyes wide open, things have got to change. Like, I I can't keep going this way. Like, this is not life. This is not what it's about. And you know that whenever you had that moment, everything, it didn't make things easy after that. In fact, I'm sure you guys had a ton of stuff to work through that you're still working through. And I know that's been the case with Beth and I, but it's like, you no longer have to carry all that yeah, because he's going to carry it for you. It changes everything. It changes your outlook on relationships, marriage, finance. It changes everything. Yeah. And that's what's key. So uh, the last thing that I'll ask is, uh, where are you today? And if there's a piece of advice that you had to give, and I don't just mean for, for addicts, I mean for all of us. Like with what you guys have been through, uh, where are you guys today, and what is a piece of advice that you would you would offer us, including me, about where you've been? Um, mine would be it starts with your heart. Until you have a heart change, nothing's going to change. Um, you mean it doesn't start with your head, like trying no. to figure everything out? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I found that I had to wake up every day and choose that change. And I had to pick up my cross and follow him daily. Um, and that's that's my biggest takeaway. 
You can't up that, Cody. I know. It's like, man, um, she always does amazing. So I would probably just piggyback off of that and say, you know, for me, because we've chosen Christ, um, today I'm a husband. Today I'm a father. And today I'm free. And I'm just chasing Jesus with all my heart. And doing my very best. And I'm still broken. I have to choose to pick up my cross. Just like Nicole said. Daily. Um, So. Instead of giving advice. I wrote down three questions. That I would ask. You know. I would ask myself. And answer them truthfully. Um, Have I picked up my cross today. And truly submitted my whole heart. And my entire life to the king. Um, at John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do I truly know my purpose, who I am at the core, and whose I am, and who God created me to truly be? Your authentic self. Um, and the third question is, do I have a mentor? Do I have someone who can walk alongside me, accept me right where I am, no matter what you're going through, be able to speak life into me and pray over me. Do I have that? Please hear me when I tell you this. No matter what anybody's ever told you, you're loved. You're chosen. Every single person in here today. You're worth it. Your family's worth it. And your friends are worth it. Thank you guys for being attentive and listening to our story today. We love you all. Thank you, guys. You guys can turn that off and go sit down if you want to. Thank you, brother. Love you. Okay, I'm going to ask the band, if they will, to go ahead and come back up. And the way that we're going to close this out today, it would be such a mistake uh, to just go to lunch and, and, and not worship more and have the opportunity because I think there are some people in here that are saying, I can relate, or I've never been in that situation where my eyes ha- have been wide open. I've never been in that situation where I've turned everything over. And if that's you today and you want to come forward, you want to speak with myself, I'm also going to ask my dad, if he will, uh, to come up here. And if, if you'd like to talk to us specifically about those things, uh, we would love to be able to share with you. But otherwise, if you need to come up here and pray, because he's not had your whole heart, if you need to come up here and pray because you have a loved one that struggles with the exact same kinds of, of afflictions, um, addiction issues, and things like that, um, if you're in here and, and you're just going through anything whatsoever, as we worship, we just want to invite you guys up. This altar should be full this morning because they have poured their hearts out with who they are. And when we do that and when we talk about the sacrifice and the surrender that Jesus made for us, he is worth it every single time. So as we worship, we're just going to ask you guys to stand. And if you feel led to come forward, um, I know it's really hard, uh, but that first step is the hardest and then it's easy. Just want to invite you to pray um, if you need to this morning. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.